Hi guys, welcome to Hauntedology. My name is Megan. I'm your host and along with my mom, who is your co-host, we tell you stories every week that are of hauntings or paranormal activity in different cities or a city in America and eventually the rest of the world. It is our belief that every city has a story to tell and it's our job to tell it. So we thank you guys for listening and we can't wait to dive into this week's episode. So let's go. New Orleans is an eerie place. It's gothic in one sense and dangerous in another. The city has a rich and colorful history and it's the perfect place for scouting out the supernatural. Vampire legends are an important part of New Orleans history. Right now we're about to dive into these famous drinkers. Number one is Count Saint-Germain and Jacques Saint-Germain. Two are going to be John and Wayne Carter. And three are the Casket Girls of New Orleans. Somehow I don't think I'd want to be included in number three. (laughs) (laughs) Count me out. Welcome to 1700s France, where we meet a man named Count Saint-Germain. He's very strange, extraordinary, and enigmatic character. He was a master of the piano and the violin, could compose music, speak several languages, and much more. His wealth was unfathomable. He carried gems around in his clothing, and no one knew how he came into such wealth. No one knew anything about his family, where he came from, or who he was. He did, according to some accounts, claim to be the son of Francis II, Prince of Transylvania. One of his greatest passions was alchemy, and he was believed to have the extraordinary talent for maintaining his youth. Perhaps it was his vast knowledge of cosmetics and herbs that kept him young. The philosopher Voltaire called him the man who knows everything and never dies. No one really knew his true age, although he looked about 40 in all of his portraits and continued to appear so for over half a century. Although he was charming, engaging, and graced the dinner tables of many dukes and kings, no one had ever seen him eat anything. He would only sip his wine exquisitely and ramble on about everything from history to chemistry. There was much speculation about the Count's lineage and immense wealth, which resulted in in the development of many myths and legends about his background. He is considered by some to have mastered immortality as many claim to have seen him since his death in 1784. What do you think? Well, it definitely depicts the vampire scene we've always been taught. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I mean, there are herbs and et cetera, et cetera, that help you not show your age, but, um, and there are people who don't age. For over half a century? <laughs> I mean, they don't show their age like other people. Some people you go, dang dog, we the same age, y'all look good. And other people you go, how you look like that at my age? <laughs> so it's, it's, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to justify his claim and I really can't, man's a vampire. All right, now, all speculation from the 1700s era of France aside, let's fast forward to New Orleans, Louisiana in the early 20th century. And wouldn't you know it, there appears a man by the name of Jacques Saint-Germain. Not only was this name on point, but so were a lot of other things. This man was also around 40 years old with heavy money bags, the most fascinating dinner guest, and still a complete mystery. So far, 
new dude is completely a dead ringer for old dude. No pun intended. Okay, maybe a little. <laughs> yeah, and and the money bags comes from the lives that vampires live. They never die, so they have their money from century to century and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm dying to find out now if we have any um, accounts of maidens coming into his presence and leaving with dots in their neck or anything. Do you really believe that crap? Well, I mean, I didn't believe the man would leave either, but you blew me out of the order on that one, so let's see. He was known to throw lavish parties and invite the elite, and everyone would sit enraptured in the conversation and food, but curiously enough, this guy, just like the one before him, would throw these lavish parties, invite the elite, and never eat. He would only sip his wine. Well, maybe um, maybe he didn't like the things that his guests did. So why would he serve them? Well, I mean, he's, he's being courteous to his guests. I mean, maybe at this point we can chalk it up to two really similar men who have a fear of eating in public. This is true. Yeah, I'm not really buying this one either. <laughs> I'm working on it here. Give me a minute. His excursions came to an abrupt end one cold December night when a woman's piercing scream was heard from Jacques' French Quarter home. That's Winnie Bitter. The scream was followed by a woman who flung herself from the second-story window to land on the street below. Apparently, the Count tried to take a bite out of her. Literally. I told you. See? Now, if she got up and walked off, that's because he's a vampire and he turned her into one. Bystanders then rushed to her aid. She told them how St. Germain attacked her and bit her, and that she jumped out of the window to escape. She died later that evening at Charity Hospital in New Orleans. By the time the New Orleans police kicked in the door of St. Germain's home, he had escaped. However, what they did find was was disturbing enough. The stench of death greeted the nostrils of the policeman, who found not only large bloodstains in the wooden flooring, but even wine bottles filled with human blood. That's why I drank wine all the time. Red I wine. Wondered, see, I always wonder why vampires drink red wine. Now that's it. They're not alcoholics. They're just drinking blood. Yeah, they just don't want you to know it. How awful. <laughs> the house was declared a crime scene yeah, and then sealed off. From that evil night to the present day, no one has lived in that home in the French Quarter. It is private property and all taxes have been paid to date, but no one has been able to contact the present owner or owners. The only barrier between the valuable French Quarter property and the outside world are the boarded up balcony windows and a small lock on the door. So we know what happened to the Count's lady friend, but what happened to the Count? It's unclear whether the Count St. Germain and Jacques are the same person, but believers speculate that they are. To this day, the mysterious figure of the Count St. Germain has his own occult following, from theosophists to completely weigh out their mystics. Okay. Although he allegedly died in the year 1784, no one saw his death, and some claim to have seen him many years afterward. Nevertheless, he disappeared from court life. Okay. You've heard the story that you can officially count me out of. How about the Brothers Grimm? Our second stop on this vampire journey takes us to the bizarre events that occurred after a bleeding woman entered a police station with slit wrists, accusing two brothers of draining and drinking her blood. John and Wayne Carter were brothers. They seemed to be normal in every aspect. They had normal labor jobs down by the river and lived in the French Quarter. It was the 1930s during the Great Depression, and times were hard, so a man worked all he could. 
One day, a girl was reported to have escaped from the Carter brothers' apartment and run to authorities with her wrist cut, not enough to cause immediate death, but enough to cause her blood to slowly drain over the next several days. The policeman ran to the Carter's third-story apartment and found four other people tied to chairs with their wrists sliced in the same fashion. Some had been there for many days. The story was that the brothers had abducted these people in order to drink their blood at the end of every day when they came home from work. Police also found about 14 dead bodies. The cops then waited for the brothers to return, and when they did, it took seven or eight of them to hold down the two average-sized men. Okay. A few years later, when the Carters were finally executed, their bodies were placed in a New Orleans vault. Cemeteries in New Orleans are quite picturesque. Not only are they more ornate than the rest of the nations, but they inter many generations of family inside one vault. The remains sift down into the bottom of the vault, and when it's all rubble, a new body slid inside. That's gross. Many years after the Carter brothers' death, when they were placing another Carter in the family vault, they discovered the vault was completely empty. No John, no Wayne, they were gone. Okay, so it's said that the bodies slipped down and turned into rubble. Maybe they just disintegrated faster than some people. Interesting theory. Yeah, I mean, where else could they go? Great brothers. Vampires. They, well, that's true. They're vampires. They bite. They don't slit their wrist. Well, they would let it drain out. And I mean, maybe their wrist is going to be slit because it's less telling. Because all these people lined up and tied in chairs just slit their wrists for the fun of it? I don't know. <laughs> no, that, that's pretty telling. Well, look, you wanted to defend the first guy. I'm defending these two. <laughs> okay, so they disintegrate in the grave. We'll go there. To this day, many sightings have occurred in the French Quarter that match the description of these two brothers almost exactly. Years later, an owner of their apartment saw two figures that matched their descriptions outside on the balcony whispering to each other. Both figures jumped off the top story balcony and took off running. The legend goes that if a vampire drinks your blood seven nights in a row, then and only then can you become a vampire. Some of, the, some of those found in the Carter's apartment had been there for more than seven days. One warped fellow named Felipe went on to become a notorious serial killer. And of course, he would do more than just kill his victims. He was believed to drink the blood of all 32 of his victims. That's sick and wrong. So far, who's with me on booking a ticket to New Orleans? <laughs> well, let's go. No. <laughs> if you haven't already gotten your ticket booked, let's hear about the casket girls. All right. The last stop on this crazy train before we pull into the station is a story that takes place during the colonization of New Orleans. France was having a hard time convincing women to make the voyage over to the New World, and I cannot freaking imagine why. No, because the accommodations were fantastic on those ships. <laughs> it was so nice, and you could get a window seat, and... And all the people in the New World seemed a bit cray-cray. Yeah. But, you know. For real. Put all that together, and I can't imagine why they weren't lining up. This is mostly due to the fact that the men originally sent there were thieves, murderers, and culprits of every type and caste. Not to mention Louisiana snakes, alligators, mosquitoes, and humidity. Welcome to the South. Amen there. Yeah, that's, you know, I really want to be on those old-timey ships. You know, like I said, it was not the Royal Caribbean, for God's sake. And then you could put me on there with thieves, murderers, and culprits. Yeah, and to top it off, I get to go there and feed an alligator a mosquito and live in humidity if I don't die from that. And the snakes. And snakes. Put a dag on a snake. Uh, I'm done. Leave my behind wherever I'm at. No wonder women wouldn't go. Mm -mm. Eventually, women were sent. 
That was nice. Some sources say they were nuns, while others say they were prostitutes. That's one end of the other end. Yeah. But nevertheless, a few of them did make it across the voyage. Many of them snuck off the ship in Mobile, Alabama when they boarded there and were told what type of riffraff they would be tricked into marrying if they stayed on board. Okay. Historically, these women were referred to as casket girls in reference to the small chests in which they carried their clothing and other belongings. However, the legend goes that these girls had the most interesting luggage shaped like little coffins. So, to the dismay of the men of New Orleans, all that arrived in New Orleans were 300 of these coffin-like suitcases. Some stories say they were empty and some say they contained the undead. Undead? Don't look at me. Okay. I don't make the stories, I just tell them. Ew, okay. These suitcases were reportedly stored in the attic of a convent in the French Quarter where they still sit behind windows that are nailed shut because they have a strange habit of just opening by themselves. The windows or the caskets? The casket. Okay, no, no. You know, okay. vampires sleep in caskets. The undead. Oh, snap. Yeah. Oh, dang dog. Well, they shouldn't have been scared to go. They brought their own uh, vampire with them. Well, yeah, that's protection enough. Years later, in 1978, two amateur reporters demanded the convent's priest let them in to see these coffins. The priests, of course, denied their entrance, so one night, these two men climbed over a wall with their recording equipment and set up their workstation. The next morning, the reporter's equipment was found strolling about on the street outside, and there on the convent's front steps were found the almost decapitated bodies of these two men. 80% of their blood was gone, and to this day... This crime remains unsolved and baffles investigators. Well, you don't go in there into a convent when dadgum priest told you not to. Have a little bit of respect. Yeah, so let's just decapitate him instead. Ah, the priest didn't do that. The vampires did. Yeah, they didn't think we were crazy after the Savannah season. They sure as hell are now. <laughs> However, research indicates that these legends are completely unsupported by historical evidence It is unclear how or when the myth of the casket girls began, but the story continues to haunt all who believe it to this day. Ready for the kicker? Okay, kick away. Clinical vampirism is apparently a legit thing. Okie dokie. Or so says the internet. Clinical vampirism has been recognized as the neurological disease in which those with symptoms drink human blood, believing it to be beneficial for their health. So, vampires, do they walk among us? Well, at least do they in New Orleans? A PhD candidate at Louisiana State University conducted research in New Orleans that determined there were about 50 individuals who identified as vampires living in New Orleans alone. Many of the, quote, real vampires of New Orleans have fangs or are nocturnal. Research has indicated that these markers are cultural, but the vampires insist they are biological. Another study by the Atlanta Vampire Alliance reported about 5,000 of these individuals in the United States. Are you kidding me? There's a Vampire Alliance? I can't make this up, man. (laughs) Okay. I I bet a hush. However, clinical vampirism, also sometimes called Renfield Syndrome, but it still isn't completely recognized. Those who self-identify as vampires even have their own organization in New Orleans, known as the New Orleans Vampire Association, or NOVA. 
The organization accepts all paradigms or denominations of sorts of those who identify as vampires. Nova is governed by a council which is comprised of members of seven houses that serve as sectors of denominations reflecting various aspects of Nova's community values. <laughs> the reason... We have vampires with values now. See, they're nice guys. People give them a bad rep, man. <laughs> The research done for this involved extensive time spent at NOVA meetings from which he observed that the members were predominantly Caucasian. There were nearly equal numbers of men and women, and the members were between the ages of 18 and 50. The association was formed in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans. Members participate in charitable events such as serving food to the homeless and hosting silent auctions. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh. <laughs> However, their website is not. <laughs> oh, we have vampires on the website. <laughs> vampires are us. Okay, I'm sorry. Y'all just really messing up my love of vampires. Oh my god, this is funny. Oh, oh my god. god. Okay. Oh. <laughs> However, their website is I can't. <laughs> However, their website is not currently maintained and it's unclear whether they're still in operation. Personally, I don't really want to find out either, and I'm still really not sure about buying into the whole vampires in New Orleans thing, but I don't think I'm going to be buying a ticket anytime soon. <laughs> oh my god, if any of this is true, I'd be the first one bit cuz I'd be laughing at do really Really? You're laughing at him right now. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. <sighs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I do all of the writing and compiling of all the different stories myself. And it means a lot that you guys will sit here and listen to what I have to say. If you would like to reach out to me, on social media, you can go to Instagram and go to at Megan Noel Podcasts. So M E G A N N O E L Podcasts. Or my personal Instagram at the Megan Noel. Thank you guys so much for listening and I really appreciate it. If you guys could give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show, that would be amazing and we would be forever grateful. Thank you guys and I cannot wait to tell you the next story.